The fantasy football season never comes to an end at Roster Watch. My name is Alex Dunlap, and if you want more of the Roster Watch podcast, you can get it by signing up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. With a pro membership, you get access not only to all of our award-winning and awesome tools that are going to help you win in fantasy football, any kind of fantasy football that you play, but also to the Roster Watch Pro Library of Podcasts, where during the off-season we'll be bringing you content for your dynasty leagues, for your MFL team for your best ball leagues from various locations such as the Senior Bowl, the NFL Combine, the RosterWatch.com Pro Day Tour, the RosterWatch.com Rookie Mini Camp Tour, and of course the Epic Training Camp Tour. You can't get this information unfiltered, uncensored, and unfettered from anywhere else but right here at RosterWatch.com. Go to RosterWatch.com right now and get a pro membership. My name is Alex Dunlap and I support this message. Fantasy football fans, it's your local trash man. And this is the fantasy follow-up for week 14 going into week 15, or rather week one of the fantasy playoffs going into week two of the fantasy playoffs. I'm not sure there will be a podcast next Monday. Actually, yes, there will. I'm actually having surgery on Tuesday morning, so I should be able to put one up on Monday morning, um, or Monday afternoon, rather. And even if I don't, I will definitely have the article on the website so you can check that out. Uh, It will be actually the following Monday that I may not be able to do the podcast, but again, the piece will be up on the website. Anyways, moving on to the first game. It's the Jaguars at the Titans. Jaguars lost this one 9-30. Don't get it twisted. Cody Kessler didn't throw a good game. He made most of his 240 yards in garbage time, and it doesn't matter because you weren't using him. And you shouldn't use him this week against the Redskins as he may not even be the quarterback for the Jaguars. Blake Bortles could get his job back. We have yet to see. The same can be said for D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief, who had 10 targets apiece. Most came in garbage time, and the Jaguars Jaguars don't project to trail the Skins by 20 this coming week, as they did the Titans. Leonard Fournette found no room against the Titans, or very little room, 16 touches, 41 yards, but he'll have much better luck against the Redskins this week. He'll be the main source of offense if the Jaguars want to stand a chance. On the other side of the ball, we always knew Derrick Henry who had 17 carries, 238 yards, and four touchdowns, had it in him. It's just been so long since we'd seen anything like this kind of effort from him. And we never saw it coming. You know, he was one of the guys that we loved coming out of college. We thought he would be a premier back in this league. And he still can be, but he never really saw the opportunity as a bell cow. Maybe that's starting to change. Maybe it's a catalyst that will take Henry into fantasy football starting. He's always had the capability. He just never had the backfield to himself. I imagine he'll see the field more often this week and on in the playoffs. Tajay Sharp injured his leg on Thursday, forcing him from the game. Taewon Taylor led the Titans in yards with 59 and targets with 7 in his absence. If Sharp can't go this week, Taylor makes for a decent PPR flex 
against the Giants. On to the next game, the Colts and the Texans. Colts won this one 24-21 in Houston. I have a friend who went to that game. It was his first game, his first NFL game since the Oilers were a franchise. And I have to imagine it'll probably be his last. He's bad luck. Texans lost their first game in, what, 10 games? It was no surprise that Andrew Luck, who had 415 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and T.Y. Hilton, who had nine receptions for 199 yards, teed off on the Texans. As Luck's best game came this season against them in week four. I talked about it on the show on Saturday. The Colts faced Dallas this week, but the Cowboys secondary bends enough to keep Hilton in play. They rarely break, though. Marlon Mack, 14 carries, 33 yards, one touchdown, has floundered in his last two games and was only saved by a touchdown on Sunday. He'll have a rough go of it against Dallas, and I'm not playing him unless I absolutely have to. Zach Paschal of the Colts, five receptions, 68 yards, and a touchdown, had the best game of his entire season on Sunday, maybe his career. But there's nothing to see here. He's just one of many Colts secondary wide receivers who have had good days with Andrew Luck this season. On the other side of the ball, Lamar Miller, 19 touches, 52 yards, and one touchdown. Had a middling day that was salvaged by a late touchdown. Wasn't an encouraging sign going into the playoffs. Alfred Blue got quite a few carries, but the Texans played the Jets this week, and they're soft through and through. Demarius Thomas. Four receptions, 48 yards, just isn't putting up the yardage we need him to to make him viable in the playoffs. He's actually performing worse on a better team with a better quarterback. His Week 12 boom was a mediocre mediocre game masked by two touchdowns. On to the next one, Falcons at Packers. Falcons lost this one 20-34. Edo Smith had 74 yards. It was his best game of the season while out-touching Tevin Coleman 14-1. The Falcons faced the poorly defense Lions this week, so he's not a terrible option for those in dire straits. Coleman, who had 41 yards, hasn't gone over 45 yards in over three weeks, so I'm not enthusiastic to use him in Week 15, especially when the Falcons seem to favor Smith right now. Calvin Ridley, who had one reception or hit a season low on Sunday, if you don't count his Week 1 no-show, I'm at an impasse here as I don't want to use Ridley if I can avoid it this week, but Julio Jones will likely get the Patrick Peterson treatment. Not sure how much that means, although Kenny Galladay was held to just two catches for five yards against him on Sunday. The middle ground might be using Mohamed Sanu, who had six receptions for 54 yards in this one. His floors remained higher than Ridley's on almost every occasion this season. On the other side of the ball, Randall Cobb, is the new old number two in Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers has anything to say about it, and he does. Just a week after Mike McCarthy was canned, Cobb had his best game since week one. You know, maybe it's a coincidence, but with Marquez Valdez, Scantling fading, and no Geronimo Allison around, the now healthy Cobb is the de facto second option these days. On to the next game, Giants at Redskins, Giants Blew the Redskins out 40-16. to No word yet on whether Odell Beckham will go on Week 15, although there was no word he wasn't going to play Sunday before the news was sprung on hapless fantasy owners like myself. Not technically out of the playoff race, at least I don't think so. The Giants would be behooved 
to use him in Week 15 if he's close, which he probably is, as he wasn't announced out until the last minute. With no ODB, the Giants resigned to focusing on Barkley, per usual, along with Evan Ingram, who had three receptions for 77 yards and stolen Shepard. Shepard's line almost didn't show it. He only had two receptions for 17 yards, but he saved his day with a touchdown. He actually led the Giants in targets with six. Both of those guys would be reasonable options against Tennessee this week if ODB can't go. On the other side of the ball, quarterback Josh Johnson, who had 240 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception, was signed off the street a week ago and promptly outplayed Mark Sanchez, who hasn't thrown a touchdown since 2015. Johnson may actually give the Redskins passing him a boost, though he doesn't seem to have a positive effect on the other Redskins runners who combined for 39 yards on the ground. Though this is largely the result of game flow, as the Giants were up 34 at the half. Jackson's feet should elevate his floor moving forward, but the Skins play the Jaguars this week in Jacksonville, so I'm not advising his usage. Same thing with Adrian Peterson, who had his worst game of the season on Sunday. In negative game scripts this season, he's been woefully ineffective. Things probably won't go quite as sideways this week as the Jags can actually be run on, but that's not a chance I want to take in the fantasy playoffs. Jamison Crowder, two receptions, 87 yards, and one touchdown, led the Skins in targets and yardage on Sunday in his second game back from injury. Jordan Reed left the game with an injured toe in the first quarter, so Crowder became the safety blanket for both of the beleaguered Redskins quarterbacks. He'll probably serve a similar role in Jacksonville if Reed can't go, and he probably won't if you know his history. On to the next game, Jets at Bills. Jets won this one 27-23. Isaiah Crowell left the game in the first quarter with a toe injury, never to return. Elijah McGuire, 83 yards and one touchdown, played well in his absence and will be looking at a workhorse, workhorse role against the Texans this week if Crowell stays sidelined. With Quincy and Nunwood dealing with ankle injuries and Jermaine Curse faltering for reasons I can't quite explain, Robbie Anderson is once again the best receiver option in New York. He had four receptions, 76 yards, and one touchdown. His big playability makes him a deep league flex this week for those who have strong stomachs. On the other side of the ball, Sean McCoy left the game with a hamstring injury on Buffalo's first drive of the day and did not return. Josh Allen assumed the role of lead back in his absence and did quite well. He had nine carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. He actually might want to consider a position change. Seriously, though, the loss of McCoy would put Chris Ivory, who had 12 carries and 42 yards, in the driver's seat. Ivory's done well this season in games where he's gotten double-digit touches, and, he'd look, and it looks like he will if McCoy can't go. Robert Foster, rookie, has cleared 90 yards in three of his last four games, but he only had one catch in the game in that he didn't clear 90 yards. He's a major boomer bust candidate who's better left for DFS tournament plays. Zay Jones led the Bills in targets, but he was unproductive on the day. Jones was a hot commodity during the week after scoring twice in week 13, so this was a disappointing outcome. No Bills receiver can be depended on during these fantasy playoffs. I'm not sure what we were thinking. On to the next game, Panthers at the Browns. Panthers lost this one 20-26. Keep the losing streak going. Cam Newton, 288 yards and a touch, in a, well, not a touchdown, an interception. He just isn't right 
right now. His shoulder is ailing, and it's showing in his gameplay. Even against the Saints, and what would normally be an exciting matchup, I can't advocate going out of your way to use him. Both Curtis Samuel, who had four receptions for 80 yards, and DJ Moore, who had five receptions for 67 yards, received eight targets in this one. But it was Ian Thomas, who had nine receptions for 77 yards, who topped them both with 11 targets on the day. With Cam's shoulder giving him hell, Thomas serves as a short-distance target hound. You can use Moore and Samuel this week, but it's a risky situation. Thomas and Christian McCaffrey are the only safe Panthers to play this week. Brashad Perriman, on the other side of the ball, had the best game of his season on Sunday with a two-catch 88-yard day. He caught both of his only two targets, and most of his yards came on a 66-yard play, so he's not a wise pickup this week. There are too many random mouths to feed in Cleveland. Jarvis Landry, though, had a second strong showing in a row this week with 111 yards and two touchdowns. Landry is coming on and gets to face a Broncos team that will be minus Chris Harris this week. On to the next game, Patriots at Dolphins. Patriots lost this one 33-34 in one of the most miraculous plays I've seen since the Music City miracle years ago. James White, six touches, 28 yards, led the backfield in snaps on Sunday, but he did not reward his owners. He's going to have more variability now that Burkhead is back in the mix. But he's in line for a lot of work against the Steelers this week as they had trouble with pass-catching backs. Cordero Patterson, two receptions, 51 yards, and one touchdown started over Chris Hogan in three wide receiver sets on Sunday. It was Patterson's second straight 50-plus yard week in a row. He's not getting enough targets to rely on as anything more than a high upside flex for the desperate, though. On the other side of the ball, Kenyon Drake, Finished off that miraculous last-second play to gut the Pats, but he was quiet otherwise, chucking the ball seven times to Frank Gore's 13 and losing two touchdowns to Brandon Bolden, who I can't imagine they would use for any other reason than a revenge narrative against the Pats. Either way, Drake will be a risky touchdown-dependent play against the Vikings this week. And Kenny Stills he went ballistic against the Pats secondary, but he'll have a harder time burning the Vikings this week. He's Ryan Tannehill's favorite target since his return and still makes for a high upside start for those who need to fill their flex spot. On to the next game, Ravens and Chiefs. Overtime game, Ravens ended up losing this one 24-27. Lamar Jackson played a gutsy but mistake-riddled game versus the Chiefs before leaving the game in overtime with injury. We may have seen the last of Jackson for a while as the injury is a convenient excuse to give Joe Flacco another go of it. Though I'm not sure going back to Flacco is the right move for the team. But it betters the fantasy chances of Raven wide receivers who have been largely excluded from the game plan since Jackson has been under center. Kenneth Dixon, 80 yards and a touchdown, logged 9 touches to Gus Edwards, 16, against the Chiefs and made the bigger impact on the game. They're kind of redundant players in my opinion, big guys. Though Dixon is a bit more of a pass catcher. Both get downgrades if Flacco is under center this week. On the other side of the ball, Spencer Ware vastly improved on his performance from Week 13 by putting up 129 all-purpose yards on 23 touches on Sunday. Damian Williams ate into his load again, 
12 touches, 30 yards, and two touchdowns, but it's nice to know Ware isn't a complete bum. He is dealing with a shoulder injury, though, so it might be a good idea to add Williams in a short week against the Chargers in what should be a high-scoring game. Sammy Watkins is out 46 weeks, and though Kelvin Benjamin didn't play in Week 14, he would likely make his Kansas City debut this week. Benjamin isn't the tour de force he used to be, but he's a big target on a team that often scores at will. On to the next game, Saints at Buccaneers. Saints pulled this one off 21 to 24, 28 to 24, excuse me. Traquan Smith is an enigma. He's now laid three eggs in his last four games. And that other game is a 157-yard monster. You can't use him in the playoffs. You actually probably aren't in the playoffs anymore at this point if you use him on Sunday. And my condolences to you. Mark Ingram, 14 touches, 53 yards and a touchdown. Bounced back a bit after a lackluster week 13. If you look at his game log... He gets less work and performs more poorly against good defenses. Who would have thunk? Fortunately for him, Carolina, who the Saints are playing this week, has fallen off the map defensively. So you can use him. On the other side of the ball, Chris Goblin received the 10 team-high 10 targets in Week 14, but had only one catch on the day for 13 yards and might have ruined your day in the process. Eli Apple handled him nicely, and Jameis Winston was unpleasantly erratic still if Deshaun Jackson says this week Godwin will be worth trying again on to the next game Bengals at, Char- Bengals at Chargers Bengals lost this one 21 to 26 Jeff Driscoll 182 yards and one touchdown is a game manager at best and has diminished the fantasy stock of every Bengal not named Joe Mixon Tyler Board who had b- Boyd He was probably pretty bored. Had only three receptions for 52 yards and only remains reliable because the Bengals play Oakland this week. Austin Eckler performed against the Bengals like the guy we'd hoped we'd see in week 13, but ultimately did not. Melvin Gordon could return this week, but there's a good chance his snaps would be limited. Keep Eckler on standby as he could be a busy man in week 15. Justin Jackson and Eckler switched scripts in week 15 with Jackson playing the dead fish in this one. If Gordon goes, Jackson is unstartable. If he doesn't, Jackson would be a risky flex against the Chiefs. On to the next game, Broncos at 49ers. Broncos lost this one 14-20. Cortland Sutton flopped two receptions for 14 yards, while Tim Patrick, who had seven receptions and 85 yards, and Deshaun Hamilton who had seven receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown, both thrived on Sunday. The Broncos faced the Browns and potentially Denzel Ward this week, so Sutton cannot be relied upon in your fantasy playoffs. Patrick and Hamilton make for PPR flexes, though. Jeff Wilson Jr., 24 touches, 96 yards, took some of the pressure off Nate Mullins on Sunday, touching the ball 24 times. The health of Matt Breida will decide if Wilson can be used in this week. But if Breida can't go, Wilson is a surefire running back two against the Seahawks. Alfred Morris is a non-issue here. Forget about him. Dante Pettis, three receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown popped, even with Marquise Goodwin back in the mix. Mullins trusts him more than anyone not named George Kittle. Could be a second-team doctrine there. And he's a solid start, even against Seattle this week coming. 
On to the next game, Eagles at Cowboys. Eagles lost this one 23-29. Josh Adams only touched the ball seven times in a highly competitive game on Sunday afternoon, but that was six more times than any other Eagles back for talking about runs. He'll have an easier go of it against the Rams team this week that just gave up over 100 yards to Jordan Howard. Darren Sproles had three receptions and 35 yards and a touchdown, was active in the passing game in his only second game back from injury. Wasn't a huge impact, but it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't surprise me if he sees considerable action against the Rams this week as the Eagles try to match their breakneck pace. On the other side of the ball, the Cowboys opened it up through the air on Sunday. Michael Gallup saw nine targets and Blake Jarwin saw seven to Cooper and Elliott's 13 apiece. Amari makes Gallup a viable option as defense's game plan to take Cooper away. And this may have been a breakout game for Jarwin to some effect. Although I'm not bothering with either of those guys outside of DFS. On to the next game, Lions at Cardinals. Lions won this one 17-3. Zach Zenner led the Lions in rushing on Sunday with 12 carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. He looked better than LeGarrette Blunt received the same number of carries against the Cardinals. Theo Riddick was in the mix, too, with six carries and four receptions. This crowded backfield on a low-scoring team makes for fantasy poison. I'm staying away from all of them. Kenny Galladay killed many a playoff run with his pitiful two-reception, five-yard day. This is partially on Matt Stafford, who only threw the ball four times in the second half, partially on Patrick Peterson, Either way, the Lions face Buffalo this week, so I'm hands off Galladay anywhere it counts. On the other side of the ball, I nor 99% of the football public knew who Trent Sherfield was coming into week 14. Even a trash man didn't see him coming. It doesn't matter outside of DFS tournaments anyway because you're not going to use him. In these playoffs, I'm not sifting around any other Cardinal than David Johnson or perhaps Larry Fitzgerald in PPR formats. On to the next game, Steelers at Raiders. Steelers lost this one 21-24 in Oakland. It's hard to hate Antonio Brown after so many years of fantasy excellence, but a little ire in his direction is warranted after a 35-yard day in the fantasy playoffs. It was literally his worst game of the season, and it came against arguably the worst team in the league. You have to play him in Week 15, though, if you make it there in spite of his effort. Jalen Samuels couldn't get much going on the ground. 11 carries, 28 yards, but he was barely productive through the air. He had seven receptions for 64 yards on Sunday. Steven Ridley served almost exclusively as a touchdown vulture. He had five carries for four yards and that touchdown. Even if Connor returns this week, Samuels should have a third down roll moving forward in an effort to keep Connor fresh through the playoffs. Well, the actual playoffs, rather. On the other side of the ball, the Raiders put in a valiant effort as a team in an improbable win against the Steelers, but you can't seriously consider any of them except for Jared Cook for the fantasy playoffs. I guess you could use Doug Martin if you had to in your flex, but that's as far as I'm going to go. No further. And last on the Sunday slate, the Rams at the Bears. Rams got dominated defensively. The Bears put on a clinic against 
the Rams Sunday night, limiting Jared Goff to four interceptions and pretty much nothing else. Only one ran top 60 yards, and that was Robert Woods, who had 61. And Todd Garley, who had 58 yards, had his worst game of this season and maybe his career. These guys are going to make the Eagles pay for what the Bears did to them this week, so fire up all your Rams if you got them. On the other side of the ball, the Bears did it on the ground this week, running at will and keeping the Rams off the field. Well, keeping them off the field as much as anyone can. Jordan Howard seems to be on the uptick as he's had his best two-game stint this season over the last two weeks. He gets the middling Packers run defense this week, so start him confidently. The Bears' receiving core didn't do much. Well, they didn't have to do much with the running game going so well. But Mitch Trubisky sure wasn't helping by throwing three picks. Allen Robinson did receive eight targets, so maybe he's someone you can look at going into Week 15 to match Devontae Adams on the other side of the ball. But he's the only Bear receiver I'm looking at, as Anthony Miller only got one target on the night, and it did not connect. Anyways, Roster Watch Nation, this is the Trash Man, and this has been the Fantasy Fallout for Week 14 going into Week 15 of the Fantasy Playoffs. Good luck to you and all of your efforts, and we'll see you next Monday. Yeah.